Last year, we launched our course, The Data-Driven Classroom, and had hundreds of educators and clinicians take this course with consistently amazing feedback. I heard from so many teachers how this course really changed the way they approach data, how they were able to set up simple data systems, train their paras, and be collecting data to make data-based decisions within days of finishing the course. That feedback made me so happy. Now that course has been closed and unavailable since last year, but guess what? We are reopening the course, the data-based classroom, and I want you to be one of the first ones in. If data is something you have been struggling with for years, let's work on this together. Let me give you all of the tools to make this something that can consistently happen in your classroom. And guess what? Since you are a podcast listener, and I absolutely love my podcast listeners, I have an awesome code for you. When you use the code DATA100, you're going to get $100 off of the course bundle. Now, this code is only going to be usable until March 20th. So you only have one week to use this code, but Data 100 will get you $100 off of that course bundle. So that means for less than $200, you are getting the amazing data toolkit with literally hundreds of data sheets, all editable. And don't worry, I teach you how to edit it. And that entire data-driven course that touches on academic data, behavior data, staff training, and so much more. There's a link in the show notes with all of the information. Let's make this year the year that data really works. Hi, I'm Sasha Long, special ed teacher and board certified behavior analyst. Welcome to the Autism Helper Podcast. I'm here to explore different strategies to improve the lives of individuals with autism. I am super excited to share today's interview with you. I am chatting with Whitney Sarnoski from the Spectrum Compass. Whitney is a former special education teacher and soon to be BCBA. And today she's sharing her very personal and honest story of her son's autism diagnosis. Her son just turned two. His name's Kyson. If you follow her on Instagram, you know he's absolutely adorable. And she goes through the process of the diagnosis with us. She shares kind of her perspective as a parent. And she says a few times what her mommy heart felt and her mommy gut, but also her head as an educator and as having a lot of background in ABA, she knew how important and critical early intervention was. So I love hearing the details of the diagnosis process and really how brave she was to push through and not be satisfied with the we'll wait and see model. She wanted to know right away if there was a diagnosis that it was what it was so she could move forward and get some therapy, get some treatment and get some systems in place for him to start learning and growing. She has a great perspective and has developed an amazing community on her Instagram and blog. Her Instagram is the Spectrum Compass. You can go to her blog, thespectrumcompass.com. And she shares great tips for parents that are new to the autism world and are entering and going through this diagnosis process. She also shares some really user-friendly and approachable techniques that are ABA-based. And she's really trying to break down the stigma of ABA being something that's harsh or punishment-based. And she shares different strategies that she used with her son as early as six months, using ABA with her six-month-old son. So let's jump in and hear this conversation. Hi, Whitney. Thank you so much for joining us. I am really happy to have you today. I am so happy to be here. I'm honored that you even reached out um, for me to be on your podcast. So thank you. Well, I really love talking to parents of children with special needs because I feel like I always learn so much. And I love getting to talk to parents that are also educators and have the ABA background. It's like the best of everything in one spot. So I love that you are going to come to us today with a lot of different perspectives. Yes. And I can't wait to talk about our journey with you. So 
So you were a former classroom teacher, right? Special ed teacher? Yep. So before I had my son, Kyson, I um, taught in a variety of settings, but my last teaching job was in a special needs room for kiddos who have autism. And those kiddos um, were just learning how to communicate, lots of self-help skills. Um, we were wearing, uh, sorry, working on like things like mans and tax and really just giving them a foundation of communicating with their peers, with their family, with teachers. Um, and then I also, before that, worked in another autism classroom that we were focused more on the academic piece and, um, you know, getting them to access their general education curriculum and uh, modifying where we needed to. So I've kind of worked across the board as far as um, working with individuals with autism. And I worked with younger kiddos. So that's kind of where my passion has always been. Um, I have my teaching certificate in general elementary ed and special needs, which goes from um, zero to, I think, 21. And then I just got so inspired by some of the BCBAs that I was working under at my last teaching job and decided to pursue my BCBA. So um, I am working, I have 300 hours left, and I um, am going to hopefully sit for my board certification in next January or February. So It's always those dang hours, right? Yes, it's well, and I was supposed to have them done before Kyson was born. Kyson came five weeks early, so um, that kind of just changed things a little bit. We slowed things down, and now that he has started school, I'm able to finish those last few hundred hours um, to uh, become a BCBA, which is what my ultimate goal was. Well, it's so amazing that even before you become a BCBA, you're going to have so much experience from the perspective of a parent and also as a teacher, you'll bring both to the table. Yes. And I think that's what is unique about um, kind of my journey so far is that I have that teaching experience. I have that passion, but I also now have a kiddo who has autism and a kiddo who um, benefits so much from the practice of ABA and um, a lot of the interventions um, that we do as BCBAs for kiddos for all needs, right? Like um, oftentimes I feel like ABA gets the rep of it only is for kiddos with autism and like that is still not the case, right? Like it can be used across the board for all needs. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, my, my husband will say to me sometimes, he's like, are you using ABA on me right now? And I'm like, don't you worry about it. You just keep on loading that dishwasher. <laughs> exactly, right? I know my husband, Justin, says the same thing. And it's funny, um, Justin has been on this journey with me um, all the way through my master's program. And so he has really learned the ins and outs of ABA. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Okay, so can you tell us a little bit about your son and about kind of the journey that you've got? He's three, right? Um, He just turned two on Friday. Oh. He's littler than I thought. Yes, he is a little, I mean, he's my little baby. Um, he is so, so cute, by the way. Oh, thank you. He's cute, but man, he gives me a run for the money that I don't make as a mom. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so, yeah, so Kyson came five weeks early and I he had decreased heart rate. So I went to the emergency room and... Long story short, they did an emergency C-section. He came out screaming healthy. He was obviously very little. He was four pounds, nine ounces. And, um, but he didn't have to go to the NICU, which was a total blessing. Um, 
So we stayed in the hospital for about a week together. We had to work on, you know, obviously getting him to eat and uh, maintain his weight. And his, um, the thing we struggled with mostly was his temperature. We had to keep his temperature at a certain um, degree. And so after about a week, they released us both. They kept me in the hospital, um, mostly just so I could be with Kyson, which was very nice of them. Um, because typically when you have a C-section, I think you leave after two or three days. So, um, and then it just kind of was hard. And I say that because Kyson, um, what started spitting up blood, um, we've always kind of struggled with his GI, um, come to find out when he was two weeks old, he had a dairy intolerance and, Fast forward to him um, turning one, we ended up going to an allergist and um, he's 100% allergic to dairy. So he has an actual diagnosis of um, having a dairy allergy. So that was kind of um, the start of his GI issues. He had always been um, you know, constipated and he had really bad silent reflex as an infant. Um, and so those things added up when you have a, you know, a premature baby and you're a new mom, it just all felt very overwhelming. Um, and then Kyson, obviously he was going to be, um, five weeks behind his developmental milestones and our pediatrician, um, administered the ASQ and he always adjusted it by five weeks. So um, it really went to Kyson's um, adjusted de de oh, sorry, <laughs> developmental age. And so um, from there, we really started seeing some gaps, even with the adjusted age. So early on, Kyson was always um, kind of behind in his communication and his gross motor but his fine motor was always through the roof. Like it was always kind of surpassed um, where he should be developmentally. So as an educator and as someone who has background in, you know, childhood developmental milestones, I started seeing these interesting splinter skills. Um, my very first warning sign for Kaisen was the gap in his communication. Um, I started to get really concerned. And then I started piecing together um, his developmental milestones with some of the GI issues that were happening with him very early on. Um, as an infant, he was just uncomfortable in his own skin. He, he never was able to self-soothe. I always had to hold him um, straight up and down. He never was able to, you know, cradle rock in my arms. He always had to be um, horizontal on me. And it, sleep was just awful. He was up. He was about nine months old. And he was up every 45 minutes during the night. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, for a month straight. And it was kind of – it was that point where – where I was like, okay, something is going on. Like, I know babies don't sleep. I know, you know, sometimes you have to sleep train babies. Um, but this was like more than that. And so I started doing some digging and just keeping a really close eye on all of his developmental milestones that he should have been meeting. And by the time he turned one, he was still not saying mama or dada. And it was at his one-year-old birthday party because, you know, we went big. This mommy <laughs> overdid it, just like all new moms do. And we had a wonderful, you know, both sides of our family came and it was so fun. But it wasn't fun for Kyson. And mm -hmm. he, I had, we spent most of his birthday upstairs where it was quiet. Um, and so it was his first birthday that really solidified for me. I knew where it was headed. Um, he was very easily overstimulated all of the time. Um, we were never able to do car rides. He, you know, hated being out of our house. Um, and so we actually, after his first birthday, a month later, we had a really big move. We moved to Tennessee. And I knew that was going to come with some big transitions for Kyson. And sure enough, you know, 
we had a really rough few months because it was all unknown. And, and I think it goes without saying like all kids moves are going to be difficult no matter what, right? Like, especially at Mm -hmm. a young age, but there was Kaisen needed predictability from a very young age. He needed his routine. He, um, if he didn't have that predictability piece, if he didn't have the routine, I mean, he would melt down into the point where you felt his emotion so much. Like I would start crying because he was so like devastated and just, um, yeah, just like not himself really. Mm-hmm. So, um, we moved to Tennessee and that is when I really started kind of pushing for some answers because as you and I know, as educators, early intervention is everything. (laughs) And so I was not about to let Kyson slip through the cracks. Um, and I needed some answers. And so we started with our, a a pediatrician who was lovely, um, but just wasn't the right fit for, um, the answers that we were seeking. And so we ended up um, at a different pediatrician, and I came across uh, Florida State University's First Words Project. Um, and I don't know, do you know anything about that? I don't. Can you tell us a little bit? Yeah. So the First Words Project, you can just Google it. It is one of the best resources for all children, zero to two years old. Even if your child, if you're not concerned about your child at all, it's um, they do what's called the ESAC, and it's basically tracking communication, all of the developmental milestones. But the difference between the e- the ESAC and the ASQ, which we were doing at our pediatrician's office, is it will give you some red flags and not just red flags for autism, but red flags for communication disorders, language disorders. Um, I think they're even starting to, their research is starting to come out with some anxiety disorders um, and kiddos really young. And so it's all research-based, but they have this online forum that parents can go in, fill out for free. Everything is free. And you obviously have to like sign wave a waiver saying, yes, I want to be a part of your research. Um, but your names, nothing is, is shown through that. And so I, I did that and I filled out the, um, ESAC and it came back, they process it. And then they have someone from their facility call you and they say, okay, we analyzed your results. Would you like to know do you want any further information? And I said, yes. And sure enough, um, Kyson had red flags for autism. Um, and so from there, Florida, how old was he at this point? He was 18 months. Okay. So, and their research goes all the way through two, cause really they, their whole goal with this research is to, um, basically provide, a better ADOS for kiddos who are really young to identify kiddos um, from as early as I think six months um, to get them early intervention quicker instead of waiting, you know, until they're two, three, four. So that's, and that was, um, I was really passionate about that. Um, I still am, we still, are a part of their research. Um, they're kind of following Kyson and his progress now that he's been diagnosed. But so anyways, um, I have to say that's so great that you were so passionate about getting answers early because it's really as I, I mean, I actually, I can't imagine, but it sounds really scary and it's probably easier to live in the land of denial and we'll, you know, we'll wait and see. That's like a safer, nicer place to stay versus let's just get it going because if there are things we have to do, we need to start it now. So that's like incredibly brave of you to really kind of push through there at that time. Thank you. I appreciate that. I have to say, um, so I initiated all of this. I actually didn't even tell Justin that I was filling out this ESAC. Um, and when I was done, I told him and he said, oh, like, you know, Kyson's fine. He's young. Everyone has those excuses, right? Like, mm-hmm. he's so young. He's a boy. He develops slow, slower. Um, kids all develop at their own rates. And But my mommy heart just knew. My mommy heart said, 
you need to look further into this. Um, and so once I got those results back from Florida State, I had told Justin like, hey, this is what they said. These are our next steps. And what's great about Florida State a, everything is free, but B, they've been doing this research for so long that they have a great system. So once you get your ESAC results back, if your kiddo has red flags for autism or a communication disorder, they offer up um, further evaluation. And so we did in-home videos. We took an hour-long um, video of pieces of our day that we found concerning, that we... Um, thought like maybe this could help them piece together what we're seeing. And so we did that. Um, they analyzed those videos. We had another um, Skype conversation. So now I'm face to face with the person who analyzed Kyson's um, videos and she has a PhD in psychology. Um, and she said, you know, like, yeah, some of this is concerning, but, and with Kaisen, it's always been hard. Like he's someone, he shows signs some of the time, but not all of the time. And so that's where we started to kind of get stuck as far as, well, do we diagnose him? We know we need interventions, but we also need insurance to take care of it. So, um, I started to struggle at this point, at this point, I struggled with, well, do we push for this label? Do we hold off and wait? Um, and it was my husband, Justin, who said, we have to go through with this. We have to push and see what happens because in, I would just started to get scared. Like you said, I was so brave. And there was that point as just being a mom that I lost all of my bravery and Justin pushed, helped push me through that. And he said, you know, you, you don't ever want to look back and say, I wish I would have. And that's what I would tell other parents is um, I've talked with many, many families who have held off on the diagnosis of their kids till they're, you know, six, seven, eight years old. And they tell me, I wish I just would have known. I wish I would have just pushed when I, when I thought something was off. Um, and so, yeah, we pushed through and Florida state really worked with us on trying to decipher if it was just a communication, um, delay or disorder, or is it paired with autism? And so we, we waited another month, we resubmitted some videos and by 20 months, when Kyson was 20 months old, um, we started seeing like some pretty significant behaviors. Like he started head banging a little bit, um, just more physical behaviors. And so I was able to record that and send it to Florida State. And they said, you know, let's let's do the ADOS on him. So with me being passionate about the um Florida State's um, First Words Project, we actually, because we live in Tennessee, so we actually were able to access. We flew down to Florida State, um, and the great thing about that is because it's research, you don't have to pay for it. So if there's any families out there that don't want to be on a wait list and want the ADOS for free, you can go through Florida State. Um, it is becoming more popular now, so I think that they're starting a small wait list, but it's nothing comparative. Um, if you're going through like your pediatrician's office or um, a neurologist or something like that. And at that time, you don't have time to chill on a wait list. Exactly. Like then you're losing, you know, valuable yeah. days and yep. years almost. Totally. And that's where Justin and I were at. We're like, we would rather spend the little bit amount of money to get down there, fly down there um, and just get it an answer <laughs> rather mm -hmm. than stay in Tennessee and be on a wait list for a year. Um, so they did ADOS and honestly, he presented like he was fine. Like he transitioned fine. And I was worried at that point. I was like, well, great. Like we're not going to get the diagnosis and this trip was a waste of time. And I felt defeated. And that's, that's Kyson for you. That's, um, Kyson presents signs some of the time. And some of the times it's like, huh. Oh, all right, like, you know, who are you right now? <laughs> and, um, and so 
I had, my gut had told me that that would happen. And that's part of the reason why we also flew down to Florida State because it wasn't just the ADOS. We had recorded our third round of in-home videos, um, which is really where we struggle with Kyson. And she said, um, I want to rewatch those videos. I want to take what I saw today during ADOS into consideration. And we filled out tons of parent surveys. Excuse me. And, um, and so they took all of that in consideration. And a few weeks later, she called me and she said, let's go through with the diagnosis because the videos is really what showed her, yeah, this this isn't just a communication disorder. Um, and so I personally feel like that should be a part of the autism diagnosis. And I hope that someday um, it will be because I think that recording what's actually going on in home for some kiddos like Kyson, who might only present signs some of the time is really important because yeah, they might, they might do okay with ADOS. And had we had not gone down to Florida state, I think that Kyson would probably still not be diagnosed and we wouldn't be receiving the interventions that we are now. Um, for. And that makes so much sense because even like, even all kids, like if you're in a new environment, sometimes you act potentially you have more behaviors or sometimes you have less. You just kind of go with the flow because it's new and different. And you're like, okay, you know, so having that bigger picture and that full context, you're right. Like does make so much sense. Exactly. And I think, you know, the ADOS is a great tool. Um, obviously like it is what diagnoses kids with autism, but, um, it is hard to use it for really young kids like Kyson because we went in there when he was 22 months old. And um, it's also hard to identify kiddos who might, for lack of better words, be higher functioning, right? So, mm-hmm. um, so, and that's why, again, I'm so passionate about what Florida State's uh, research is trying to do is because they are trying to create a... Um, a tool to use to help diagnose kiddos like Kyson earlier on. So, um, yeah, that's kind of- so. This has all been super recent. Like this was a few months ago, right? It was in May. Yeah. Wow. It's, um, you know, and then you get the flip side. You get my mama heart who has been grieving, and um, but then you get the professional side of me who has been doing ABA with him since he was six months old. Um, so like some of the things that I do with him that work really well, especially now, um, are warnings. Like he has got to know what's coming next. Um, so we use like visual anchors, visual schedules, um, to help with that. But Kyson, so interesting thing about Kyson is, um, his speech pathologist just, um, redid an evaluation for us and his, um, receptive language skills are at about a three-year-old level. Wow. Is like not very typical of a kiddo who has autism, but his um, expressive language is that is probably just now at maybe a 12-month-old, right? Um, so there is a huge gap between his expressive and his receptive language, which he meets with frustration, obviously. Um, and so he is able to understand us. Uh, so we really, we give lots of verbal warnings. Like this morning, you know, he, we just started school for him and we always go on a walk in the mornings. And I said, okay, buddy, first we're going to go on a walk then we're going to go to school. And so I kind of prep him in that way to know what to anticipate. Sometimes it works against on me just because he'll get really anxious. Um, Like on Tuesday, I was talking about school and um, we didn't have to leave until about 830 in the morning. And it was he had just woken up and I just wanted him to know, you know, what the day was going to hold. And he heard the word school and for the next two hours, he was crying. (laughs) And um, so this morning I waited. I waited to see where he was going. if it makes you feel any better, my toddler does the same thing with me. She's like, what do we have? She's like, what do we have today? Because that's what she always asks me every day. What do we have? And I like always, I'm like, 
just get dressed. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and, so, and, he, and he did better this morning. And so, right, it's just like creating a new routine. He's very routine oriented. Um, like we have to walk the same way on the path every single time. We have to go to the same bridge every day, um, you know, same the same route to the store we have to take. So there's just things um, – you know, that he needs predictability and we are trying to work in some flexibility. And I'm hoping that <laughs> having him in school will, will help that. But other things, you know, like timers, if he's doing a really highly preferred activity, like water beads or all of his highly preferred activities tend to be sensory bins. Um, and so <laughs> if I put on a timer, like, okay, two more minutes, I might set Alexa cause he loves Alexa or I might set my phone. Um, and then, you know, obviously, like, the pre-Mac principle or also known as the grandma's role, right? Like, first we're going to do this mm-hmm. and then this is going to come. His really – it helps with eating because um, we struggle with food, um, meal time. And um, But earlier on when Kyson was, like, about six months old, um, there were just things like um, – incidental teaching right like even though he wasn't talking I was working on his pointing which is still communication having him you know use man's in whatever way um, he was able to at that point um, and explain a little bit what that looks like so you have your six-month-old yeah. especially and like explain what incidental teaching is for people that don't yeah, have an incidental teaching you know I use it a ton in my classroom so I think it just came naturally and I didn't even know I was doing it um but you just have things up high or out of reach um you know obviously for a six-month-old you're not going to have it like on a shelf but maybe his favorite toy was we were doing um tummy time and I had his favorite toy straight out in front of him and if he wanted it right like he's gonna have to grunt or eye contact point um he wasn't pointing at all so I might model it for him sometimes I would you know use a gesture for him and prompt him hand over hand um just so he started to understand like what is communication how do I gain access to things so incidental teaching really just encourages kiddos to communicate and pushes them because if their favorite object is up on a shelf in a box, they have to either get you, they have to um, point, they have to use eye gaze, whatever modality they're working on for communication. And it's motivating, right? Like you're going to use really highly motivating items that the kiddo is going to want to request for. So, and then that comes into like, you know, using mans and everything. I wasn't necessarily manding with my six month old, um, <laughs> but it, we were creating the foundation, right? Um, Cause I saw his communication really starting to lag behind. So I was always trying to um, close the gap as much as I could or maintain the gap at where it was. So it wasn't going to continue growing in the way that, um, it started to, and I didn't mention, um, but Kyson actually, he had a little bit of a, a regression. He, he was, so he wasn't saying mama and dada, like I said, when he was one, he started saying mama a couple months later, but he would only say it to Justin during bath time, which was very <laughs> interesting. And then it hit Christmas time and he wasn't saying anything. He wasn't saying mama, dada, nothing. Um, he didn't have very many words to regress on. Um, but that's when, um, after Christmas time, it was mid-January. And that's when I reached out to Florida State um, to do that ESAC because just with all of the sensory needs that Kyson has had and his GI and then, you know, his gaps in communication and um, some of his gross motor um I just knew piecing all of those um, little pieces of information together that we needed some guidance and some tools. And um, I just was not going to sit by and let Kyson, you know, not get the interventions that he deserves. Yeah. So. And it, it's great that, you know, you mentioned earlier, it came, came from your mommy gut, but it also came from your like educator ABA brain. And I, I think this is great, you know, for any parents, like whether you're a teacher and just happen to have other kids, but to kind of to listen to both parts. And if you don't have the background in education, 
to listen to your, you know, your parent gut on, hey, something's not right. Let's not just wait and see to take steps forward to see what's going on. Because like we said, people kind of get stuck in that wait and see kind of model. And it definitely was my educator mind that knew we needed to push forward because my, and that was my biggest struggle was I was having a battle within myself between my brain and my heart. (laughs) Yeah. You know, like my mommy heart didn't want to know the answer. And I think that's natural. And I think that that's okay. Um, But the other flip side of it was I knew my kid needed the interventions and he is thriving. Like, yeah. So tell me, what does early intervention look like now? You've only recently started, I'm assuming. Yeah, we did. So we started speech as, I mean, we got home from Florida and I was on the computer researching for the best speech pathologist out there because Justin and I, um, for our family, we, we prioritize because there is, once you get a diagnosis, there is a lot out there. There is a lot of options for people and for us and who Kaisen is, communication was our number one goal to start with. So that's where we started. Um, and so we luckily through our pediatrician, it's kind of all through one system. And so he hooked us up um, with a variety of speech pathologists that I had kind of sifted through and landed on this one. And it, it, interesting enough, she uses the teach principle to do her speech sessions. And I love that. Have you ever seen that done before? No. Can you explain it a little bit? So she uses, um, so it's obviously ABA back for those who don't know the teach principle. It's kind of an older ABA um, model, but she uses three or four uh, plastic colored bins and he has the choices, right? He gets to choose which bin he wants to start with. So that gives him control because Kyson loves control of his environment, which, you know, most kiddos with ASD do. And then there's a distinct um, beginning, middle and end. So let's say there are four boxes on the table. Um, He chooses the green one first. There could be you know, three to four activities in each box. And then he also gets to choose which activity is in the box. Um, I have a a long video on this process too um, on my Instagram page, if anyone's interested at looking at it. But um, it's really giving Kyson control of his environment, predictability, and a beginning, middle, and end, which um, is great for Kyson. And he, you know, and obviously the tasks in the box, she makes sure that some of them are motivating and some of them, you know, are actual, you know, might be harder for Kyson to work through. So there's a balance in the boxes too. So it's been, um, we've seen huge gains in Kyson's speech just in the last two months. And that's early intervention for you. Like that's, um, we want to get these kiddos in, seeing, you know, speech pathologists, OTs, PTs, um, feeding specialists, whatever it might be, because the earlier you get them in as research supports and backs, the the better their outcome for their future, right? Like, um, so it's just been, we started with speech. Um, we did do some OT for a while, but he only qualified for sensory processing disorder and our insurance unfortunately does not cover that. And so, um, we, we stopped that, but there are some great resources online that I found. Um, and we kind of have our own sensory gym in our house now for Kyson. Um, I mean, you kind of do have to like play the role of different therapists as a parent in early intervention. You're like, okay, what kind of things, you know, can I learn from when the OT did come that I can replicate or even, you know, speech sessions are short. So how are you going to continue that on during the week? Exactly. And I think that's where the task boxes, that's what we call them, um, that his speech pathologist does. I implemented them in home. So that's what I recorded and posted on Instagram was, you know, this tool can be utilized for parents. This tool would be awesome for everyone to use. And if I were still a teacher, I would honestly encourage my speech pathologist who I'd work with to use this tactic, just because I have seen so many gains from Kyson. Um, He is on task. He's 
you know, he's driven, he's motivated because he has that control piece. He has um, predictability and he looks forward to it. He actually, since I implemented the task boxes in home, he asks, he requests to do them. I mean, he loves it. Um, But that shows how, you know, like you said, the structure and all that is so important to him that he's requesting it. It's reinforcing. What is reinforcing for some of our learners isn't just like, unstructured, chill playtime. Like that's stressful sometimes. That's anxiety provoking. Instead, like knowing what to expect. And I love that, you know, that like interdisciplinary crossover of speech and ABA is happening because that's where you see the big game. Yes, exactly. And, um, and I just loved, you know, and I think that more speech pathologists are becoming BCBAs and, and getting to know the ABA world. And I think that it's just, it's so beneficial. Um, and his OT actually, I was helping her out, um, cause they don't have any ABA background and she, I started giving her some pointers and she was implementing it even with her other clients and she was like you need to just come work here and train us and I was like oh I love that but I have no time right now um I think it's just beneficial right to get our kiddos to a point of being able to sit in a chair to be able to stay on task for a minute or you know um and giving other professionals tools to also feel successful because if if you're a professional and you don't feel successful you're more likely to have higher burnout um exhaustion right like if you feel successful your kiddo is going to feel successful so yes and like some of the strategies you know everything you've mentioned today too seems kind of simple too it's not like reinventing the wheel it's just little tweaks on everything like incidental teaching is something all parents do but should just do more because they might not even realize they're doing it. Like, oh, when my kid says cup, I go get him a cup. But make sure that the cup is usually somewhere where he has to ask for it because he's going to ask more and more. And it's just like these little kind of tweaks of giving choices and having the routine that when you do it purposefully has such a big impact. So it's so cool to hear from both the you know, clinician side and the parent side. Too. Yeah. And it's been, you know, a roller coaster for me because I'm still finding my um, grounding in just being Kyson's mom, but also being, you know, someone who has a lot of background in ABA and special ed. And um, sometimes I just need to stop being therapist and just start, um, just having fun with him and being mom. And, um, but it's just, it, it often comes very natural for me. I don't even know I'm manning with him. Right. I know. Um, <laughs> but, and again, that when you, when you were talking about that, it reminded me of this story. This was many, many years ago. I think this is actually before I had kids. We had spent, my husband and I spent the weekend with two groups of friends and they had similar age kids like toddlers. And later he was like, oh my gosh. And the one group of friends was a lot of speech pathologists and school psychs, education people that I'd known from work. And they're like, wow, like that group of friends, their kids all talk so much. It must be because of this, this, and this. And I was like, no, no, no. I'm like, I'm not trying to throw shade on the other group. But did you see that the other group of friends all chase their kids around offering things up and the, you know, education, speech background group of friends, you know, kids were like making a noise and they're like, what do you want? Say carrot. Like, oh, point to what you want. Show me. Like they were evoking language in a barbecue. Like that was just how they parent. And, you know, so it's kind of funny to see. I was like, well, when you evoke language a lot more, you're going to get more language out of your kids. Exactly. And and I think that's what inspired me to create, you know, the account and website that I did. Yes, you 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 were like, this is perfect lead. And I was just going to ask you, so can you share a little bit about your platform that you created and yeah. what you want to do there? So it's funny because I created this platform before we got Kyson's diagnosis, you can say it was instinct that I knew um, where we were headed. But really, um, I created the Spectrum Compass is what it's called to help support parents feel successful with their kids, honestly, um, to help them through diagnosis, to help them through early warning signs, to help them through how to get my kid to um, start communicating. Um, I can't tell you how many parents since I started this platform have reached out. I had posted a video on PECS, Picture Exchange System, 
And they had no idea. Their kids were four and five years old who still were not diagnosed, not talking. um, And these parents were lost. Um, I had so many messages come to me, you know, with tears of how grateful they were that I had shared this. And it really, it makes me so passionate because I do, I miss what I do, right? Like I love being Kyson's mom, but there's another, you know, I was someone else before I was mom too. And that person um, loved teaching. I loved, you know, teaching parents that I had worked with when I was a teacher, um, supporting them to support their child, because really it comes down to what the parents are doing in home. You can have all of the early intervention you want and as early as you get it, but unless you are implementing and generalizing in home, you're not going to see as great of gains as you would um, otherwise. So that's really why I created the platform was just to say, hey, parents, you can do this. We got this. Um, Let me support you in whatever ways you see fit. Um, And obviously, I can't, you know, I oftentimes get like, well, my kid's doing this. What should I do? I can't give recommendations. That's not ethical of me, but I can give, you know, facts of this is how you create pecs. This is how I implement it with, or did implement it with Kyson. Um, you know, and just talking behaviorally about, you know, simple things like timers, right? Like I'm sure lots of parents use timers, but they don't know that it's ABA backed. It's an ABA principle, right? Um, predictability, um, giving choices. That's huge for our kids. Um, if they can't verbally choose, then give them a picture. So it's just kind of modifying what parents I think do naturally. And maybe just like you had mentioned earlier, just doing a little bit more of it. Um, Mm -hmm. and as parents, especially, I have a lot of parents who, are recently starting the diagnosis process, just got the diagnosis, and they feel lost. So um, I try to help support with like, you know, creating a a task list for themselves. You know, what is the most important thing for your kiddo right now? Is it getting them into ABA? Is it starting speech? Um, And then parents tend to have a bad taste in their mouth about ABA. And so that was the um, second reason why I created the platform, because I truly believe and have seen ABA come really far, even in just the past five years. And I wanted to kind of take the stigma of ABA and show it's not scary. It's it's yeah. not scary. It has, trem- I mean, Kyson has grown tremendously from the ABA tactics that I have implemented with him. And I think seeing another parent who is implementing it with their son um, is encouraging because I'm not, you know, I'm not being mean to him. I'm not forcing him, you know, like there, there, it looks really natural. Like your, your platform is very like user-friendly. It's just a mom with her son working on teaching some new skills. So it was, it was built for that. And now it's kind of a mix of supporting parents with materials and, um, ABA supports, as well as just sharing my journey, because that's one thing that I have found we all need. We all need those connections of other families, moms, dads to relate to and with, um, to know it's okay to feel angry about a diagnosis. It's okay to feel excited, you know, relieved about a diagnosis, because I can tell you when I got that phone call, that's exactly what it was. I was excited and relieved. Um, And it's, you know, there's no right, wrong way to feel and to have that community um, of support is, I think, really important for any diagnosis, any, you know, your child's going through something, it's, you need a community. So. Yes. Well, thank you so much for creating that because there's obviously such a need. And I think, you know, I love your perspective as a parent and the way you explain ABA is so user-friendly and so approachable and you're doing, you know, really great things for the oh, field. So thank you. Thank you, you are doing great things for the field. <laughs> One day I no do way. like a mini Sasha. 
<laughs> and I and I thank you so much for sharing about the first words project. I hope that I will link that in the show notes and I hope that will be helpful to people. Um so say your website again, the spectrumcompass.com. Is that right? Mm-hmm. And I actually have, this is good timing, um, a journal coming out. It's called the Grace Journal, and it's just for special abilities moms to kind of work through all things, to make time for ourselves, to start focusing on what our kids are doing instead of what they're not doing. Um and just you know, being grateful because I think that we can all get into a place as moms where, you know, it's just hard. It's a hard role. And, um, so if anyone's awesome, yeah, yeah, definitely check that out. We will link that as well. Well, thank you so much, Whitney. It was so, it was so fun to talk to you. I love kind of hearing this, this whole story. Great. Thank you so much, Sasha. Bye-bye. If you would have told me a few years ago that my favorite part of my job is getting up in front of sometimes a few hundred people and giving a presentation on data or behavior academics, I would have thought you were crazy. I did not always like public speaking. Actually, to be totally honest, public speaking was something I used to be pretty afraid of. But now it's literally my favorite part of my job. I love being in a room of my people, of the special ed world, teachers and parents and clinicians, and everyone that's on the front lines that's working so hard for our students to give them the best opportunities and the best classroom experience. I love being in a room of everyone that understands how hard this job can be, but also how amazing it is and how important those little victories are on a daily basis. When I do a PD, my goal is to bring value. I want to bring action items, ideas and strategies that you can do tomorrow in your classroom. I have sat through too many professional developments that either didn't apply to me or were too hypothetical and philosophical. And my special ed heart always wanted to know, what do I do next? What do I do tomorrow? If you are interested in learning more about how I can come to your school to do a professional development, please visit theautismhelper.com backslash speaking. There's a contact form as well as a lot of information about all of the different sessions I give. I'm happy to answer any questions and work with your school district. Thanks for listening to the Autism Helper podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to hear more, hit subscribe. It would mean a lot to me if you left some feedback. Whether I'm working one-on-one with a student, doing a podcast like this one, or presenting for a PD, my goal is always to provide as much value as I can. So your feedback really helps me make sure I'm doing just that. If you have other topics you'd like me to cover, leave in the feedback or message me on social media. You can follow me at The Autism Helper on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Pinterest, or visit my website, theautismhelper.com. Thanks again for listening. Having the right resources for your classroom is essential to making sure your classroom is running smoothly. At the Autism Helper Shop, we have all of the resources you need to make sure you have the behavior, communication, and curriculum supports for your students. Within our shop, we have adapted books, task cards, resources aligned to the VB map and the ABLES, behavior plan flowcharts, data sheets, curriculum. Everything you need, whether you are an early childhood teacher or a high school teacher, we have all of the resources that will meet those students' needs. So head over to shop.theautismhelper.com to check out all of our resources.